Okay, so I got some really cool stuff to talk about today. Some good stuff. I feel like God's been just like piling stuff on me. And this morning I had to narrow down because I had like way too much. So I had like a couple different directions that I was praying about going and had a lot. And then mom came in the office right before and she gave me another thing that really went with what I was talking about. She felt like God was saying and that just gave me another direction to have to discern decide which ones to narrow down and so uh i believe it was god (laughs) and it was confirmation um and so this probably a lot of this will just pile and become next week because it's what god's feeding me right now and usually whatever he's like downloading into me and cramming into me it's usually for you guys too hopefully if not thanks for sitting in on my session (laughs) I really appreciate it. It's helping me. <laughs> so uh, that's where we're at. Um, we're going to be turning, if you're turning with me, we're going to be turning to Genesis 4. This week, the verses will be up on the screen. Last week, they couldn't be on the screen because I was. First time we ever tried that. So thank you all for that. I've, I've got some good feedback. I heard it was pretty good. It was really weird preaching to a camera very weird trying to like just act normal but I got no response from you guys so I realized how much y'all help me (laughs) and y'all draw out what God's trying to say from me because uh, Heather's phone is not very um, good audience (laughs) so uh, thanks to you guys for being I'm glad Wayne was here last week because I I called him out on the video and I was hoping he would be there (laughs) in his seat (laughs) Thanks for being there, Wayne. So, um, next week, I want to talk to you about, I wanted to talk to you about it this week, but next week I'm going to talk to you about collective impact and how all of us together can be so much more powerful than one of us alone or two or three of us alone or... And how me by myself, I can't make the impact that I want to make. In fact, I can't even fulfill my purpose alone. I can't figure out how to do it. I'd like to because it would be easier. But I can't. So I, I want to talk to you about collective impact and, and about being the change that you wish to see in the world. Everybody's got a handful of things they would change in the world if they could. But are you being the change that you want to see? Are you doing the thing? Are you, where are you helping? How are you helping it change? Or do you just stand around talking about how you wish it would change? And how Trump is or isn't changing it? Either way, whatever. What are you doing? Are you the change? Are you giving something bigger? You're giving to something bigger than you, me, and mama. Do you give to anything in your life that you can't control or that doesn't benefit you? Mm. That's really giving and releasing. That's what... I'm getting too far. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about the precious seed. 
Solomon talks about a precious seed. It's different than regular seed. It's a precious seed, and God gives some promises with that. But a precious seed costs you. We're going to talk about following Jesus' lead. Um, and I want to ask you to do something. You know, a lot of churches take up special offerings at the start of the year, or they do special give harvest offerings. They're called all different things. They give to special projects or the building fund or whatever the special project is. And for us, we don't do that. Those of you that are faithful with your tithes and offering, it keeps us afloat and it keeps us running and it keeps us going. Um, and something that's placed on our hearts is to support House of Cherith. And as you guys know, that ties in with all that the vision that God's got us doing and and the future of the houses and the things that we're planning on building and doing and, and seeing these women and children restored and and so we're raising money and brought for a cause and I'm training and we bit off this giant chunk with this tiny house. And what we did is set ourselves up with faith to be the biggest blow that we could possibly deal to trafficking, to a great injustice to mankind, to human slavery. That us as a body this would be the greatest impact we have ever had. But one of us can't do it. Right now, we got about enough tickets sold to cover the materials. Not much impact is going to be made. So, this is the last week. We got the permit. It says the drawing happens next Sunday, a week from today. So everybody keeps selling tickets this week. It'll be easier to sell tickets and sell the tickets. And that's a way that we'll be a part. And you guys will crawl in the ring with me and we'll win this. And the money's going to go to it. But I want to ask you to pray this week. Think and pray this week about you individually, you and your family bring in a sacrifice next week to put towards that project to put towards that and get tickets and the tickets will be in your name so you could possibly win but we're gonna talk about all that stuff i talked about just now briefly collective impact and we're gonna take up a separate precious seed offering not your regular tithes and offerings not talking about that those of you that are faithful, talking about above and beyond that now, the 60% of you that don't do regular tithes and offerings, this will be a just starting from zero for you. But think about that and pray about God, what God would want you to do. And for some of you, it'd be a huge sacrifice to do like one ticket for a hundred bucks. And some of you could do 20 tickets and it would be an equal sacrifice. Some of you could not drink Starbucks all week and that would buy you a ticket and you could be a part of this huge thing that we'll do next week and we'll celebrate and we'll do a live video and we'll have the house outside to walk through and look at and somebody's going to win it and it's going to be a huge blessing but more than that we together will deal a devastating blow 
to a great wrong. And we'll be a part of something we cannot control. And we'll release the money as a sacrifice of praise. No praise and worship looks this. Praise and worship doesn't always just look like this. A sacrifice of praise that David talked about when David said, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. I'll be a part. I'm going to have some skin in the game. So pray about it this week. Come prepared next week to worship. That's not what we're talking about. Look at Genesis 4, 19. Genesis 4, 19. I'm excited about some stuff that we're about to talk about. I feel like God showed me some things that haven't seen before, and it's kind of exciting. It's like when you cook a new meal, a new dish, and you're really like, you think it's going to be great, and you're hoping everybody else does. I tried that this week and kind of made up this homemade creation at the house before Jesse got home from work. It was like I laid out bacon and like weaved it together and then mixed up hamburger meat with some spices and put it in the middle and then opened up those little round, uh, you know, the little round cheeses that are covered in wax and laid them in the middle of it like a log and then covered it with hamburger meat and then wrapped the bacon over the top and made like this little loaf bacon cheeseburger loaf and that you could just slice it like that and the cheese is in the middle and I was like man it sounds great God I hope this turns out good because this is going to be our dinner it's the kind of thing like I make my plate and I'm watching Sky and I'm watching Jesse and watching like come on please please I hope they like it as much as I do hopefully they think it's as good as I thought it would be and they thought it was they thought it was pretty good Sky said the bacon was kind of wet but whatever I thought it was great (laughs) it's kind of how I feel about this message like I feel like I think it's gonna be great I hope they think so hopefully they think it's cool like I do today I'm going to talk to you about hurting with hope you've probably heard that before hurting with hope well what does that mean it means even in the middle of pain and brokenness I have faith or trust enough to know that it's working. Even in the pain that God can work it out. That I can grow through it and that, that he'll make me stronger. I have the faith to look to the future. To look past the pain. Past the storm. Peace in the storm. And that gives me hope for the future. You were created to create we talked about last week to dream and then materialize that dream if you're just a dreamer I have a dream but you never materialize that dream then it's a wasted dream you'll take it to your grave if you have a dream to write a great book but you never sit down and write then It's a wasted dream. We were created to create, to materialize the invisible. We were created in his image. It is faith that returns us to our humanity 
we saw last week. So now we're going to look at something super exciting in Genesis 4. Um, I'm going to read you some genealogy. And it's so, it just pumps me up. I love reading the genealogy in Scripture. And so and so begat, so and so begat, so and so. And I don't know about you, but it just really spiritually gets me like, so here we go. Let's have some fun. I could have jumped up a little before verse 19 and told you about Cain and his dad and his son and his son. We'll start in 19. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Adah bare Jabel, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle, or some translations say livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal, Jabel and Jubal. And he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. This was the first guy to ever make an instrument. And Zillah. And Zillah, she also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer and brass and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Nama. All right, so this guy, he was the metal, the metal guy. So that's what I wanted to read you. The first guy that we just read about was Jabel. Right, so this is like Adam's great, great, great grandson. And they're just populating the earth way back when time began. And they're walking around. And I'm thinking, God, why in the Holy Scriptures and in the Bible and this book that's been preserved for years and years, why was it necessary to put this genealogy and tell us who his dad was and who his mom was and uh, that... He was the first one to make a tent, to dwell or live in a tent, and he was the first one to have cattle or livestock. That's old Jabel. So before him, no one ever had the genius idea to make a tent. They just walked around, and when it rained, they got wet. And when it was cold, they were cold. And if there was a cave to run into, they ran into the cave. And if there was no lion in the cave, it was a good idea. And if there was a lion in the cave, it was a bad idea. And one day this dude, Jabel, is walking along and he has a dream, a vision. However, I don't know how it came to him, but he has this idea. Oh, these animals that we kill and we use their skins to make clothes and the clothes keep us warm. What if we hooked some of those together and made a portable cave? Jabel became the smartest man on planet Earth. So smart that he got recorded in the scriptures for the first man to ever have the idea to create a portable cave where you know there's no lion. And apparently Jabel didn't like hunting Because it also records that he was the first man to ever have an idea. Why are we chasing these buffaloes and gazelle and stuff trying to get dinner? Look at this cow. It can't even run good. If we captured a bunch of these animals and had our own livestock and fed them, we wouldn't have to go out hunting for food. We could spend our time 
barbecuing and sitting in our tent out of the rain. Popular dude. He made the Bible. Well, because to us, that, that might seem dumb. But back then, this guy was awesome. He was creating. He was visualizing something and then making it happen. Finding a way. It had never been done before. So that's Jabel. And then the next thing we read was about his brother, Jubal. And Jubal was probably like, yeah, Jubal, I'm, I imagine he's the more sensitive of the two brothers. And Jabel was the strong one. And Jubal was the more sensitive guy probably. And he was probably getting his feelings hurt that everybody thinks Jabel's so cool. Why don't you ever do anything cool, Jubal? Jabel makes tents. Jabel has livestock. You're still going out hunting, trying to catch a deer for three days to get something to eat. Look at Jabel. He's sitting around barbecuing his livestock, sitting in his tent, dry. So Jubal created instruments. The first person to create an instrument. A way that we could take human emotion and transfer it into a sound. What a powerful form of worship. Now all of a sudden, Jubal's probably the most popular guy in the camp, in the tribe. The musician. We were created to imagine. We were created to dream and create. And just like bees build hives and ants build beds and beavers build dams and worms make silk. Humans create the future. And when we are being who we are called to be and living in our purpose that God has for us, we are creating, we have hope for the future. And God gives us dreams and visions and then enables us and gives us the power through grace as his sons and daughters to walk that out. Humans create the future if they don't get stuck in the past. A lot of us get stuck. The Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the creative breath of God was put in you for a reason. That's all the same word throughout the Bible. The wind of God, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, the breath that God bent down in Genesis and breathed into Adam, that breath of life, the same word. Holy Spirit. Then after the cross, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, that awkward moment when Jesus said, come back from the cross, and it says he breathed on them. (sighs) Like, what the heck, Jesus? What are you doing? He was giving them that breath back that God gave to Adam, and Adam forfeited because of sin. Jesus gave it back to us, that breath that's inside of us for a reason. You don't have a creative breath inside of you for nothing. To figure out how to create easier ways to get the remote back to the couch. You were created for powerful things. To live the life you were created to live, you need to choose the future. If you just let life happen... It don't turn out too good. 
Life is full of choices. Every day, every minute. There are choices that are essential to survival, like breathing. That, thank God, our bodies just do. What if you had to make the choice every time to take a breath? Don't think about that too much. Trust me, I tried. You'll start to panic and hyperventilate. (laughs) Some things we can do, but there are other choices that are essential to survival, like eating. That's hard for some people. Not me. Unless, of course, I'm asking my wife what or where to eat. And that becomes a more difficult one, but what about sleeping? It's essential to your survival that you sleep to be healthy. I personally think that was kind of a dumb design. We spend half our lives unconscious. Why? It's such a waste of time. We could get so much done if we didn't have to sleep. If I could figure out a way to not sleep and be okay, I could live two lives. A double life. We have to sleep. Trust me, I tried it last night. No, I've tried it. It doesn't work. (laughs) What's the most important thing you can understand? That your life will be the sum of the choices that you make. Big ones and small ones. Look at where you are. Look at where you are in life. It's because of the choices that you've made, mostly. You choose to love. You choose to be led by your fear. You can choose to be alone. You can choose to give. You know you look most like God when you give. You can choose to worship. You can choose, you have the choice to choose pain or purpose. In every situation, when you look at your past, you have the choice to see pain or purpose. You get to choose that. You can choose joy. And you can choose hope. Ah, Hope. Hope's a powerful thing. But by choosing hope, you choose the future because hope can't exist in the past. Hope is found in the future. And when you get there, you better choose the future again because once you get there, now that hope is fulfilled. So you need a new hope. You can't rely on yesterday's hope because there is no hope in the past. You can't change the past. So once you get there, the hope is fulfilled. You get a new hope. You choose the future again. Not to say that past didn't happen. But you don't get stuck there. You can't keep running there. You can't can't live there. You choose the future over and over and over and over again. How do I gain ground? How do I make it to the promised land? How do I become powerful in the kingdom? How do I become the impact that God wants me to be? Choose the future. Keep moving forward. Don't stop. You get to choose. Look at Exodus 14.10. I'm going to read this to you in the NIV. 
like how it words it, but you guys know what's going on here. Moses went back to Egypt and he got all the children of Israel out of slavery. He got Pharaoh to let them go. They all left. They take off. They're heading out across the desert. And Pharaoh decides, bad idea. Let's go get them back. Let's go kill them and take back our slaves. Let's go. So they run into the sea. They got nowhere to go. They hit a dead end. And Pharaoh and all his army are coming on the chariots. And they can see them coming. And they're all scared. Verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What, was there not enough places there to bury us? So you just brought us all out here to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. We want to be slaves. We don't want freedom. How ridiculous that sounds. Hmm. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Would it? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Be still and know that I am God. I'm sure you've heard this scripture quoted. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I'm going to read you one more verse and I want to talk about that. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Or why are you praying? What's a weird thing to say, God? What do you mean, why am I praying? Well, I got a million people down here screaming and crying, and they're all mad at me, and we're all about to get killed. Thought I was supposed to pray. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Move forward. Wait a minute. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Move forward. You won't be be still. Move forward. So when I've heard that verse quoted and said even to me, it was to say, stop moving forward. You need to just be still and let the Lord fight for you. You stop trying to gain ground. Stop. You're going too fast. You're, You're getting ahead of your resources. You're getting ahead of where... You need to stop. And that's not what was happening. What were they doing? We just read it. They were looking at the past. They were running back to their past. They were saying it would be better if I was still a slave. It would be better if I was still in Egypt. They were running backwards and he said, be still. You're not told to be still when you're moving forward or you're choosing the future. You're told to be still when you are running backwards. Because you're getting further away from who you are. You're getting further away from who you're called to be. You're running from what God said because it's scary, because it's hard, because you can't figure it out, because it doesn't make sense to you. So you're running away. So when you're told to be still, it's not when you're moving forward. It's when you're running backwards. They were running. I wish I was back in Egypt. 
He said, be still. Now move towards the future. Stop running. Move forward. Choose the future. Choose what I've called you to walk into. It's time to make a move. Walk into your future. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3.12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or mature, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I I know I'm not there yet. I don't have it all figured out. I got problems. You got problems. We all got problems. I know that. But brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forget about it. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. It sounds simple, but it's not. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I choose the future. I choose the prize. I choose the calling that God has on my life. I choose purpose. I will not choose to get stuck looking backwards forgetting the past pressing for the prize choosing the future choosing hope over fear if you're stuck in the past or if you're just letting life happen three things will happen to you you'll lose perspective you will It happens every time you lose perspective. You don't realize how big you can be. You forget who you are. You you lose your perspective. The second thing that happens is fear. You start being led by your fear. We're all afraid. Everybody will be afraid. The greatest warriors are afraid, but they're not led by their fear. They're never motivated by fear. You can't let fear motivate you. And third thing that'll happen if you're looking back and stuck in the past and running to the past or not choosing the future is you will want to quit. You'll want to give up. How do I win? Don't give up. Stick it out. Put down some roots. Say, bring it. I ain't quitting. God called me to stand in this place and I won't quit. Following Jesus is measured one step at a time. You don't have to see the whole picture. I don't need a 10 year plan. You'd probably scare the fool out of me and I'd run. It'd get me running right home back to the past if I saw a 10-year plan. 10 years ago, if I saw where I'm at right now, I'd run. 
but one step of obedience at a time. Obedience. Success in the kingdom is measured by one thing, and that's obedience. Not wins and losses. Not anything else but obedience. Am I a success? Am I obedient? Obedience is better than sacrifice. God, what would you have me do? Following Jesus, following purpose, what should you expect? We talked a lot about expectation a few weeks ago. About what I expect and what you expect out of other people. Well, if I'm chasing the future and I'm following Jesus who fulfilled his purpose and I want to fulfill my purpose, what should I expect? You ever heard of that book that the pregnant couples are supposed to get? What to expect when you're expecting? Remember that book? What's the purpose of that? Why do you get that and read that? I'm sure all the older ladies, they tell you everything anyways. True or not, right or wrong. That Especially your mamas, they're going to tell you anyways. A lot of people bought that book. What to expect when you're expecting. Why? So they're not caught off guard. They don't want something to happen that they weren't ready for. Whoa, I didn't know that happened. I didn't know that. I wasn't prepared for that. It's a big deal. They don't want to be caught off guard. Really, none of us want to be caught off guard. I was working with my cousin Lonnie uh, several years ago laying some carpet. Actually laying some carpet in the house for Jerry Stilly. Uh, And... It was late, and we were working at the mattress factory in the day, and we had gone by there to lay some carpet that night. And He was real irritable. Lonnie, not Jerry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Jerry was there that night. We, we just went by to lay the carpet, and uh, it was, Lonnie was real irritable. It wasn't on me. I had a perfect attitude, and I was great, and I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I'm quite sure I wasn't tired also and sarcastic and maybe said some things I shouldn't have said to him maybe yeah so we were both just tired and we had been with each other for 12 hours and it was just you know one of those days and apparently I said a few things to him in there that gave him the idea I wanted to fight him never crossed my mind to fight my cousin on a job It crossed my mind to go take a nap or get some dinner or, you know, a lot of things crossed my mind, but fighting my cousin on the job wasn't one of the things that crossed my mind. So after I said the few things, that was it. I said what I felt like I should say to him, and I walked outside and started strapping down the old carpet on the back of my truck, some ratchet straps. I thought nothing else about what I said. I walked around the back of my, threw a ratchet strap over, walked around the back of my truck to get the other side of the ratchet strap, and Blam! Hits me in the mouth. Poof! There, blood starts running down my face. I mean, just one, one pop. It was even open-handed. But he hit me pretty, pretty dang hard. 
my gums were bleeding and it ended up like it ended up bruising the whole inside of my mouth and my cheek and stuff. I mean, he popped me. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm standing there looking at him, like trying to wipe a little blood off my cheeks. He's standing there going, bleh, bleh, like with his fist up, like we're and I'm like, what? What? He drops his hands. You don't want to fight? No, dude, why don't I want to fight you? What you said inside, I thought you wanted to fight. I was trying to get the jump on you. I don't want you to get me unexpected. I know you're strong. I do. Well, you got the jump on me. Man, I'm so sorry. God, I can't believe I did that. Man, I'm just a piece of junk. I can't believe. Man, you give me a ride up here. We're working together. Man, I'm so sorry. I, please forgive me, man. I, I'm sorry about that, dude. You lip all right? You okay? Next day, I picked him up for work. My mouth was all swollen. Both lips were busted. My gums were purple. But, man, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that to you. Let me buy you breakfast. You want me to buy you an energy drink or something? Make you feel, I'm sorry, man. I didn't want to get caught off guard. Unexpected. What do you expect? Life's going to hit you. Sometimes you'll get some unexpected hits. That's the ones that hurt the most. When it catches you off guard. They say in boxing, the hit that you don't see coming is the one that hurts the most. Yeah, true. I can say that's true. Last Wednesday, I went to City of Refuge and did some training with Dom. Uh, and they took some videos, and he watched the videos, and then he coached me on the videos of me fighting. And, and you know what he said to me? He says, Dusty, you've gotten a lot better, and you've got a lot of power. He said, but let me show you something. You're throwing your arm halfway out there and using about half of your power because you're afraid to get hit. You're trying not to get hit. And he said, what's going to flip the switch and take you to the next level is when you realize you're going to get hit, but you're strong enough to take the hit. Take it. Life's going to hit you. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hurt. You're going to fall down, but you're strong enough to take the hit. God's put the strength inside of you to make it through. God's put the strength inside of you to win the fight that he's called you to fight. That's the good fight that Paul was talking about. The fight that you're called to fight, the family that you were placed in, the things that that happened to you, the storms that you're in, the purpose that you're called to. He knew you were going to get hit and he placed his Holy Spirit with enough strength and grace inside of you to take that hit. But you can't be afraid of it. You can't be always trying not to get hit. No. Because then when you're on guard and you're guarding, you're not moving forward. You're not choosing the future. You're never on offense. You're never gaining ground because you're so guarded. You're afraid to get hit again. Well, I got hit before and I don't want to get my nose broke again. So I'm going to live the rest of my life guarded. Never advancing. 
playing defense and never playing offense. So many people do it. So many people live there. And they never attack. They never move forward. Don't be afraid of getting hit. So what should you expect? You should expect to be loved. You should expect to be in relationship with the Father as a son and a daughter. You're His sons and His daughters. You can't do it if you're not coming from that place. If you don't believe that, then none of it works. It's not about works. It's not about what you can do to earn it. It's all based on grace and relationship. If you don't understand that, then you can't do what I'm talking about. It's not possible. Grace is your power. Relationship, grace, that's the power to move forward from the past. I think churches and organizations can be the best hiding places. If you learn the lingo and just kind of blend in and they'll allow you to just be good. Not stretch or push you to be more. I don't want to just hide and never really know grace or have a relationship with grace. Jesus is the personification of grace. Right? And, and we know that Jesus was full of it. Full of grace and truth, Scripture tells us. And that Jesus was, had the grace of God on him. So a lot of people think grace is just to cover sin. Well, why would Jesus need grace if it was to cover sin? Because Jesus didn't have sin. Grace is so much more than covering sin. There's a saving grace, but I'm talking about a sustaining grace that gives you the power to walk every day. To take that next step, you need His power. You need His grace to remind you who you are, that you're a son, you're a daughter, you have a right. You can come boldly before the throne, Hebrews says. Run into His arms. You're just as welcome in your dad's arms as sky is in mine. Run to Him by grace. Revelation 3.14 says this. It's the whole Lord is turning to Revelation. We're going to talk about the dragons. No. Check this out. I thought this was pretty cool. Revelation 3.14. So John, John's writing this letter. and Let's just read it and then we'll talk about it. Verse 14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things. saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. I know you've heard these verses before. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, I have need of nothing. 
and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Dang. He's writing this letter to the church, the Laodiceans, the church at Laodicea. Because you're rich, saying because you have money and you think, I've got everything I need. You don't even realize. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Change directions. Saying, do something different. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him. And he with me is fellowship, communion, or relationship. He said, I'll come in. I want relationship with you. But you're putting on a mask. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. It is grace that enables us to see and be who we were created to be. Jesus walked out his call. And he lived a life of purpose. And now he invites us to do the same. So back to that verse about if you're hot, if you're not hot, you're not cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. I've heard people use that verse. And I'm sure you have too. So if I'm not on fire for God, or if I'm not cool and refreshing, then going to spew me out of his mouth he wants no part with me I'll, I'll go to hell or however you've heard it said check this out with doing a little bit of research this is pretty cool Laodicea was a city right in the middle of Colossae remember the the book that Paul wrote to the Colossians was on one side of them and uh, where the Colossians lived was known for their cold springs. They had these natural springs that were just ice cold. And they were known for their, to be refreshing. People would travel from far away just to drink of their waters. And the refreshing drink of the cold waters, like they didn't all have freezers with ice cubes in them like we do. Or McDonald's to whip in and get a cold drink. So that's like what they were known for was their cold natural springs. And they would bottle their like mineral water or that's what they were known for. On the other side, Laodicea was right in the middle of, there was another city on the other side called Heropolis. Maybe I'm pronouncing that right. But Heropolis There are still ruins there today of that city. And it was this famous city because it had hot springs, natural hot tubs. And it was known for and famous for their healing properties of the hot water. And so people would come to basically like these natural hot tubs and they would pay money to get to sit in them and be restored and to get their youth back. And it was these natural healing hot springs. And so the people from Laodicea 
would go and get the burning hot healing water that the other town was known for and what they were famous for and what their purpose was. And they would bring it, but by the time they got back to Laodicea, it was cooled off and it was lukewarm and it was no good. It had no healing properties. It didn't help you. It didn't even feel good to sit in. But then they could go the other direction and they could go get a cool, cold drink of water and it was refreshing and it was good. And they could fill up their big jug of water, but by the time they got it back to the middle, to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Whether they went and got the hot or they went and got the cold... Either way, once they got back home, it was lukewarm. Because they were trying to be what somebody else was, or they were trying to take what somebody else's gifting, and they were putting on masks rather than embracing where God had them and what they were supposed to look like and who they were. They were trying to look like somebody else or be what somebody else had or go get this because there's the next greatest thing. I got to go get that or chasing after that rather than being who they were supposed to be. If you don't take off the mask and stop trying to be what someone else is, how can you be what God wants you to be? I think grace needs to be experienced. It's really hard to just give you a list of rules and say, follow these rules and that's grace. Why? Because it's a relationship. How do I explain a relationship with my kid? How do I explain to you a relationship with my wife? And we got, I mean, we can explain it. Unmerited favor. That's how it's most usually explained or if you look it up, but... Most of us don't even use those words in daily vocabulary. Anybody use unmerited last week? I didn't. What about favor? I think Tyler did and some of my family might have, but probably not talking about that. Or some of y'all might have said, hey man, I need you to do me a favor. But not talking about grace. It needs to be something we can understand. You know, God sees the beginning from the end. He's not stuck on time. He placed you in your mother's womb. But he's also got you at home with him right now in heaven. Like he sees the end too. He sees the whole thing. He knew you were going to mess up. Still placed you there. He knows how many times you're going to fall before you get it right. He already knows. And God is love. John tells us, we well, we won't turn there, but you know that God is love. John says it several times in 1 John. Um, and then Corinthians, the famous wedding verse that love is patient, love is kind, love. So if God is love, and then that's telling us what love is, then we can go read that and we can see the characteristics of God. <clears throat> and what love is. And what God is. And it says... He doesn't keep records of wrong. Remember, he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't keep records. He sets up opportunities for restoration. Over and over and over, he just wants you home. 
And every time you fall down and every time you mess up and every time you make a mistake, it's an opportunity for restoration. It's an opportunity to bring you home to the heart of your father. Just turn. Turn back towards home. He chases you. He's the one that will leave the 99 and come after you. Religion says, I messed up. Dad's going to be mad. Grace says, I messed up. I better call dad. What do you want to be? As a father, how do I want my kids to be towards me? I messed up. Oh, don't let dad find out. Or I messed up. I better call dad. He'll love me. He'll help me. He'll get me through this. He may be disappointed. He may give me some correction, but he'll walk me through it. That's grace. Religion says God's counting. God's keeping records, and he's not. He already knew you were going to fall down. So actually, he's celebrating that you're one fall closer to home. It's just an opportunity. It's a blip in time. And you're one step closer to the end. You're almost home. You're almost back in relationship. You're almost free. It is for freedom that he set us free. If I buy Krispy Kreme donuts, tearing up on that one. Malachi bought some Krispy Kreme donuts this week for a fundraiser. He paid way too much money for them. Brings them in the house and makes an announcement to every person in the house. These donuts cost $1 each. If you want to eat one, you pay me $1 before you eat my donut. And he sits them on the counter. Mine and Jesse's diet restrictions right now won't allow us to chow down on the Krispy Kremes. And uh, Sky can't afford them. And uh, I don't know if Titus bought any from him yet. But when I looked, there's still some Krispy Kreme donuts sitting on the counter. A few days old now. They're going a little bit stale. Because they can't pay. They can't earn it. What if I bought a box of Krispy Kreme donuts as the father... And I brought them in and said, hey, boys, I got you some donuts. Here you go. And I set them on the counter. And then I came back a day or two days later, and I looked in the box, and no donuts were missing. I would say, why didn't no one eat the donuts? What's going on? There's something weird going on here. Oh, we're just trying to save up to where we can pay you for the donuts. No, you don't have to pay me for the donuts. It's, it's my gift to you. Yeah, but we didn't earn it. Uh, we're not worthy of the donuts. We need to earn them. And they don't tap into the power of the Krispy Kremes. They don't taste its goodness. David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's given it to you. He's given you grace. He's giving you that grace donut. But you keep trying to earn it. Works. Law. 
the kids sit in the living room having meetings. And I overheard them in there having meetings talking about the donuts. Three steps to get to eat one of dad's donuts. And Malachi's preaching to his two younger brothers about how you could step up and get a donut. And then they sing worship songs. Donuts are enough. Donuts are enough for me. Sky lifting his hands and crying. Father, give me a donut. Give me a donut. And Titus is rubbing his shoulders and praying for him. It's ridiculous. Right? I'm going to go in there and eat the donuts myself. God's not like me. That's how we treat grace. We come into church services and we listen to people tell us you got to do this, 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 this to get free unmerited favor. What? I got to do a bunch of stuff to get it? I got to be good enough or earn it or we sing songs about it, but then it's great to sing a song, but hey, let's sing a song with a donut in the hand. Donut on Donuts are... Let's tap into that power. Let's not just talk about it, not just sing about it. Let's eat it. Let's let it help us. Let's let it energize us for the road ahead. Break the bread. Krispy Kremes. We drink the cup of salvation. Yes, it covered my sin. And I'm talking to you now about a saving grace. A sustaining grace. The power to get out of the past. The power to create the future. To walk in purpose. How do I do it? I have a past. I have a handicap. I have brokenness. I, I was abused. I was hurt. She left me. He, I, on and on and on and on. I can tell you a hundred different excuses. So let's close by reading 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. And we're done. Paul said this. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap. Woo, thank you. To keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. In fact, I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. You know what he told me? My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. 
I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. In my weakness, King James says, not in spite of my weakness. Not God will figure out how to work around it. He said, in my weakness. God doesn't work around brokenness. He works through it. In another place, Paul said, I fought the good fight. Timothy, I've, I've run my race. I've, I've run the course. I fought the good fight. And remember what he said? I kept the faith. I lost a lot of things. But I kept the faith. We talked about last week that faith is what returns us to our humanity. Faith is what gives us the power to create the future. That faith, that trust, that hope is what makes us human. It's our faith. Paul said, I kept the faith. You may have lost some things, but keep the faith. Keep believing. Keep choosing the future. You may have lost a job. Keep the faith. You may have lost a spouse. Keep the faith. Some of you lost a kid. Keep the faith. We've all lost some stuff. But keep the faith. Keep moving forward. Trust. Believe. Hope for the future. And when you get there, hope again. Keep moving forward and know who you are. Believe who you are. And access the grace that is freely yours. Let's pray. Hey, Dad, thanks. Appreciate you showing up. Wouldn't have been that good without you. Thanks for speaking to us in a real way that we can understand. Thank you for loving us. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to choose the future and not the past. Help us to move on, move forward. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.